0: Welcome to the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous Intentional Parenting, where two guys discuss and explore the challenges of parenting. They share their experiences, ideas, and perspectives as they search for ways to be better sons, husbands, and dads. Here are the hosts, Joseph Winkle and Taylor Greenhall.
1: Hey, Joe, how are you doing today? I am
0: great, Taylor. How
1: are you today? I'm doing fantastic. (laughs) Awesome. Looking forward to talking to you today. Um, I wanted to talk about something that it's an it's an article that I read probably ten years ago I was introduced to it and um I was reminded of it when there was this story in the news and I think we'll talk about it a little bit and you I know you had posted about it on Facebook, but um of some violence breaking out in schools, right, in Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. And how this group of fathers stepped in to take charge and kinda Take, handle the situation. But the, the story, the, the article that I, uh, read and I've read it many times in the past 10 years talks about these African elephants and I think it draws a really cool parallel between these elephants and humans as far as behaviors and, uh, potential and instinct in our, in ourselves. But the story goes that there was this preserve, this wildlife preserve in South Africa that was making efforts to uh, increase the population of these African elephants that were, in, at the time, were endangered. And uh, their efforts were working so well that they were actually running out of space and resources for all of these elephants to, I guess, roam freely or, or have the space that they needed. But um, So they needed a solution to kind of thin the herd. And so they decided that there were other uh, preserves throughout Africa that had space to to handle these elephants, so they decided that they were going to airlift some of these elephants from South Africa to these other preserves. So they built some harnesses to carry the elephants, but they realized that the adult male elephants were too large for the harnesses to carry them, so they decided that they would just send the, the adult females and the juvenile male elephants. And then, so they shipped them to this other preserve, and everything seemed to be solved as far as the problem of space. But the interesting thing that they noticed at this new uh, preserve is that they were there were a lot of uh, rhinoceros, the white rhino, That was uh, it's an endangered species, was there were a lot of them turning up killed in this new preserve. I think obviously their first thought was it was poachers because it's a big reason why they were endangered, but um, they noticed that they weren't getting shot uh, the manner of death seemed to be a little bit more brutal and violent. And, of course, the horns that poachers would take were still intact. So they decided to set up some game cameras to see what was going on. And what they discovered was that these uh, juvenile males that they had shipped from this other preserve were kind of just going around the park terrorizing all these other animals. And they would trample these rhinos and gore them with their tusks. And just they were just um, terrorizing animals all over the park. So this group of wildlife officials got together to try to figure out how to solve the problem. And the one solution that came up was the fact that these young male elephants were there without their fathers and and uh, they needed the influence of their fathers to, the way the article states it is, to teach them how to be elephants, especially during this time of, as they are juvenile elephants, hormones are changing just like they do in humans. And they needed a model to to know how to uh, control these emotions, or these hormones, or whatever whatever it is. So they devised a plan to ship some of these adult male elephants to this new preserve. And within a few weeks, all of the violent killings of other animals and terrorizing had stopped. And they noticed that these juvenile elephants were just following the adult males, essentially learning how to be an elephant. And... Kind of growing up and maturing on the spot there, simply because, or they had an adult male figure to teach them how they should be acting. I thought that was pretty interesting.
2: Super interesting. How to be an elephant. (laughs) You you think, especially with animals, you know, it is just instinct. Yeah. But clearly, there's a pattern. Right. You know, and and one generation shows the next generation. Yeah, I I was thinking about that uh, uh that little video. Uh, called Dads on Duty out of Louisiana. It was just such a great example of how simple it can be to resolve what seems to be an unbelievable problem. they had had this huge uh, fight break out in the school, and they were out of control. And it was just a group of fathers that just said, well, these are our kids. We're responsible for them. We show up and to help. And so they wear these shirts, Dads on Duty, and they... They walk to the schools and, and they walk to the school saying, hi to kids, high five of them. You know, they come out of class. They just look like, why are you out of class? And the kids go back to class. Right. And it's, it's not even their own kids. All the kids are, are in a way parented. And even some of the fathers mentioned like, of well, these kids don't have fathers at home. Yeah. And so they see it, but it's, it's a very positive thing. It's right. not about uh, punishment. It's not about yeah exacting uh, your pound of flesh when someone's made a mistake it's simply showing someone how to be and it is funny how simple those solutions can be
1: yeah the interesting one another interesting from this thing from this article was the comparison that the author makes between these elephants and human beings and it kind of goes along with that article in that video that you talked about those dads on duty but he references specifically some violence in New York, a specific part of the country where these young men were committing random acts of violence and uh, just almost like they were pushing each other to keep trying to do it more and more. What they noticed is of these young men getting arrested for these crimes, a good majority of them grew up in a home without a father. And then he goes on to reference the populations of our prisons that are continually growing and growing and talking about how the there's a prevalent there's a prevalence of prisoners male prisoners without father figures who didn't grow up with a father figure in their home and again I, I, like you said it's not it's just these fathers saying these are these are our kids we've got to show up at the school the school and and make something happen here it's not something that's written in a manual it's not something you say this is as a dad this is how you keep kids from being violent or this is how you teach them how to act in a mature way and for me that's comforting because sometimes that, oftentimes i look at things my kids are struggling with and i say man i need to know exactly what i need to do to make this problem go away or help them resolve this issue but i love uh, this may sound silly but i love the comparison to these animals because to me it tells me that instinctively i have the ability to be the father that my kids need to learn these things, to learn how to respect other people, to learn how to treat other people. And I think that's true of everybody. We potentially, everybody has the the um, instinct to be a great parent. Now, obviously there's influences that can change our path, but reinforces for me the fact that, okay, I don't need to figure everything out for my kids to be successful but i do need to i do need to be there i do need to be present in their life and and i need to act in a way that if they are watching me and observing me then i want them to imitate that behavior
2: well i i i think they do i think it's our nature right to learn through imitation you think about how a child learns to do anything and uh that's uh something i've thought about a lot in my life that doesn't matter how loud you speak your example always speaks louder than Mm -hmm. your words and so independent of what you're saying your kids are going to see what you're doing and consciously or unconsciously they will follow suit in fact i've often thought that there's no way to really change the way you were parented until you learn a better way in other words you it doesn't matter how unhappy you are with what your parents did until you learn something different you are bound to repeat that cycle. So right. if, if your dad was a yeller and you think, oh, I'll never yell at my kids. Well, if, if you don't find someone who shows you how to parent without yelling in the times of crisis, you'll default to what you know. And so it, it really is about uh, learning a better way, but not knowing everything. Right. Um, I think that's, you know, a good thing for us to take as fathers is to, to not think you can't be a good father if you don't know everything. Right. You just need to do what you do know well, and I think we can see a lot of examples of that in life. And also, I think it's a good time to bring up the point that you know more and more people grow up grow up in fatherless homes now yeah. across uh, all all different um, groups of people. Uh, less fathers in the homes means less uh, people being raised without fathers, but does it have to be their father? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. And I think of a, a good, uh, close family member who, who, a young man who grew up with a father that had a lot of struggles, all kinds of struggles. And, you know, in, in his life, his grandfather became more of a father figure. And oftentimes it can be an uncle, a family friend uh, who who kind of shows a little bit of right. that way of how to be a good man. And that goes a long way, just having somebody yeah. to, to show the way.
1: Yeah, I'll add to that. I think, um, you know, not being a psychologist or anything like that, but like you said, we live in a world where not only is, is it happening more where children are raised in broken homes, but in some cases it's, uh, it's glorified or glamorized by the media You know, there's shows about being a teen parent and and these are idols that kids look to and say, man, look at this person. They're famous. They have their own TV show. And my fear is that we have, you know, we have children being raised in these families. They don't know where they're supposed to be looking. So where are they going to find that? Is it Hollywood? Is it their friend? Is it uh, someone else who maybe grew up in the same situation, and uh, it does scare me. We've talked about my career being an educator, and it's not 100%. I don't know everything about every student at the schools, but I do know some kids, and I know you get an insight a little bit to their homes and their home life situation, and it seems that there's a pattern of kids not not even just getting in trouble but even um, not caring about school, not caring about doing well in school, And I think on top of teaching our children how they should be and how they should act, we also set some expectations for them on how they behave and how they, how they treat important things like education and relationships with other people. So it's not, I would say it's not only showing them, but setting the expectation and knowing, Hey, this is what dad expects of me. But like you said, I think it's important. I think there are valuable uh, male role models you know, obviously being sensitive to different family dynamics and situations. I remember seeing my grandfather step in a lot with my aunt who spent a good portion of her time raising her children as a single mom. And it was kind of interesting. I didn't appreciate it or understand it as much as a little kid. But now as I think about it, it was my grandfather's instinct to say, hey, and it's not that their dad was a bad guy. He wasn't. He was just far away. And they spent some time living with him as well, and he taught them some pretty amazing values. But when they were with my aunt, my grandpa stepped in, and just you know, I don't know if he even really thought about it, and just but he just thought these boys need a a, a positive adult role model in their life, and and he was it, and, and he did a great job. So it's fun to see.
2: Well, and I think that's the the idea here again, and also not you don't have to be the father. And you don't have to know how to be a father, I think that's the yeah. point of you just have to know how to be a good man as an example. Um I actually think about the story you told about the zip line at the cabin, yeah. right We've talked about this ourselves because it was such a unique situation, and how uh of course you were you just what you felt bad about is they didn't get to stay at the cabin that weekend, and of course that it was kind of traumatic, right? And yet, as we talked through it, what came out is, well, what did they learn though? Yeah. Well, they learned how to be calm in an emergency because you were very calm, and your wife was Johnny on the spot. She, she uh, quickly organized things and and got in the car, and uh, and you're heading uh, to the hospital. And then and then what? The great the greatest lesson? Well, let's pray. You know, well, let's let's find mm-hmm. that peace. And so again, it's not about saying, well, I I'm an expert on fatherhood and yeah. going to always say I mean our kids are always learning from us and and just being there and being example, often be an example of I mean, I've made I make plenty of mistakes as a father. It's a constant process of mistake making. But when I do recognize I've made a mistake, one thing I always make sure I do is apologize. I take time to sit down with my child and look them in the eye and yeah. and and say what I did was wrong and I apologize and I hope you'll forgive me. So even in my mistakes, my kids are learning about how to to do what's right, how to fix a mistake, and uh, and then the same thing going in marriage. You know how you and your wife resolve things. Does it always yeah. have to be done behind closed doors, or can kids see you work okay. through issues? Um, again, it's, it's about being there and having an example to follow.
1: Yeah. To add on to that, I often make the mistake of thinking that my kids need to see me being the perfect father. And so when I'm not perfect, which the, just like you said, in your case, it happens quite often. I often get disappointed. Thankfully, my wife teaches me it's not the mistakes that my kids are going to focus on. It's the fact that when I do make a mistake, I try to learn from it. I make amends with my children if it's necessary, and then I move forward. And that's, I think that's the pattern that's valuable. Because I think in the future, if my, you know, when my kids are grown and they come to me and they're in the early stages of marriage or having children, and they say, Dad, I need to, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect father. I would say, I'm not, no one's holding you to that unfair standard of perfection. Yet we, I often do that to myself. Of course. But there's value in our kids seeing you don't have to be perfect but you do have to try to be better and hopefully i show that to them And i think the other thing of value that i hope uh, is the me- one of the messages that i hoped to portray in this is I, i've had some experience in my career working with families with uh, children with specific unique health care needs and uh, many times, and it was actually in this setting that I first, first heard about this article, uh, we had a guest speaker from Washington, D.C., the National Fatherhood Committee or some, something like that, who introduced us, he was teaching us about the importance of having a father figure or positive adult uh, role models. But often I would notice patterns when I would go and visit with these families and we would talk about you know, the environment or of raising a child and cultivating skills like communication and things like that. And and many times I would see both fathers say, oh, raising the kids, that's mom's job, so I'm going to take off. But I would also see mothers say, oh, uh, my husband doesn't do it right. He's, he's a little too rough when he roughhouses with the kids. Or, he, he likes to do these tickle fights and it's a little too aggressive for me, but I think therein is the beauty of 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 parenthood is when you crash on your bike, your mom's the one who kisses it better and fixes you a cup of hot cocoa and your dad's the one that says, well, throw some mud on it and try again. Bike, yeah. and, and kids need both of those things. It's completely opposite, but they thrive when they have both. And um, it's a it's a challenge worth accepting i think whether whether there is a father in the home or not is finding those uh being that role model model or exposing children to the positive adult male role models to learn about life and prepare for life
2: exactly you know one thing that came to my mind as we first talked about this podcast and and i thought well you know who will the audience be really anyone who's interested in parenting uh, would be our audience, but what I in particular thought about was I had just had a nephew and two nieces married. They're in the same family. The nephew and the two nephew in laws, you know, they, none of them seemed very interested in becoming fathers or it was something way down the road if it ever happened. And I thought a lot about that. I knew a little bit about their backgrounds and some of the struggles they'd faced. But I thought, you know, really, this isn't coming from, it's not that they were brought up saying, don't be a father. They just grew up probably seeing their fathers really struggle and thinking, well, I just don't know if I know how to be a father. And I think these days, a lot of younger men, uh, married or not, don't really look to become fathers because they really don't feel like they know how to be fathers. And that's one of the hopes I had that, As we talk about, we start off uh, on this podcast really talking about the joys of fatherhood, like these great, beautiful experiences, these lessons learned. And as we continue talking, of course, we got into the meat of fatherhood, which is the struggle of fatherhood and the personal struggles we deal with, the anxieties, the frustrations, the weaknesses, and then, of course, the struggles our kids are facing. And we've had great interviews and experts. It's just been kind of a evolving process. That is my hope that as people listen to this information, it inspires them to consider fatherhood and not be overwhelmed or fearful of it, but to embrace the incredible gift and blessing it is to be a father or to be a a great role model in a child's life. And whether again you're a you're a stepdad or an uncle or a family friend uh, or grandfather, you know. You can be for that child what they they understand about a man, a, a girl, or a boy, you know yeah. how should I be treated by a man? Yeah. I know that's one of the lessons I spend a lot of time with my daughters and setting high expectations yeah. for the young men that will show up at our house besides just scaring them off in general. I feel as an important role every father should have is to terrify anyone who shows up to your house to date your daughter. but secondly, just as important. To set incredibly high standards, yeah. uh, so that your your daughters know. And how do they see that? They see that in how you treat their mother. Um, in fact, I just one last little thing I thought of. Um, my daughter texted me one time to say, "Hey, this boy picked me up tonight," and uh, and he felt bad he didn't get a chance to meet you. And I said, "Well, that's unusual." Now I'm nervous because no boy ever wants to meet a daughter, <laughs> especially if they knew me. And, uh, and, and as they were on the date, I was like, well, just let me know where you're at. And, and I was, of course, tracking her phone because we have Apple phones. And, and so I kept sending her these texts throughout the night of like, how's things going? And, and, uh, and she just was like, why do you keep texting me? And <laughs> I kind of made a joke out of it. And finally, as they were wrapping up, I, I said, now, you know, you know you're a beautiful young girl, and and I'm sure at the end of the date, he may, you know, expect a, a hug or a long embrace, and I said, but you know what? In the years to come, he'll probably forget about this date, but you know what's memorable? A nice punch to the throat. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I guarantee you. If he tries to kiss you and you don't want to kiss and you just give him a good punch to <laughs> the throat, he will always tell this story for as long right. as days. And she, of course, is like, quit texting me. <laughs> but <laughs> I ended up posting it online, and I think I got more more attention to that than about anything yeah, I put out. And funny. everyone's like, this is just how my husband is. But I again, it's uh, the idea of, of what we're talking about today is the importance of having that role model in the home and bringing back that importance.
1: Well, and I would echo what you what you said, and when you were talking about your nephews and the trepidation of becoming a father, I've heard it said once: if everybody waited to have kids until they were completely ready to be parents, our the Earth's population would die out pretty quick, extinct. And and I have found that in some of my some of the greatest joy I've experienced as a parent, maybe not in the moment, but has been in looking back at experiences where I thought, man. This was one of those times if someone said, hey, this is going to happen in 10 years when you're a father, I'd say, oh boy, I'm going to stay away from that. But in that moment, I learned so much about myself. I also learned a lot about the people around me, specifically my wife and how she elevates me to the father that I I know I have the potential to be. And that would be my hope too for, for anybody listening is that within you is the potential to be a great parent, because I think we're born with it and it's just how it's how that ability is nurtured and so much of that is how is the people that we surround ourselves with and we've mentioned you know those people that can be father figures whether it's uh, you know people in the neighborhood religious leaders or teachers, co- teachers or cousins or uncles or grandparents and so um, the support is there the ability is there the potential is there it's the effort worth making as far as, Enduring through the struggles of parenthood, like you said, to have those amazing experiences with your children and and learning and growing yourself. So, Joe, I appreciate having this conversation with you as usual, and obviously, we appreciate everyone listening. We hope that there is value that you can take from these conversations that we have, and we invite you to subscribe and share this podcast with anyone that you feel like would benefit from it. Thank you very much.
0: Have oh, a great day. Eh? We are so glad you could join in on the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous Intentional Parenting. You can find us on all the best podcast sites. Please subscribe and share. And be a part of the conversation by sharing your ideas, posing questions, and making suggestions. Drop us a line at fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. That's one word, fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. This segment was recorded and engineered by Jim Fugate. The music for this podcast was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alitu, the podcast maker. Find your own free music over at thepodcasthost.com/slash/free music.